Hi, welcome to Mimi. I'm Mel. I created Mimi as a safe space for creativity, a place for creatives to come together, get inspired, and find help through accessible coaching, free resources, and fun workshops and masterclasses on everything from branding, surface design, illustration, and more. The Mimi podcast is basically a really good excuse for me to chat with amazing people from illustrators and designers to photographers, makers, and more. In today's episode, I get to chat with Liv Lee. Liv is a joyous illustrator from Australia, and I really adored getting to know her a bit more. We talked about her dreamy and wild childhood, a love of native Australian flora, which inspires her work to this day, and what her creative process is. We also discussed how art can bring us joy and how she really feels about social media. Liv has worked with some amazing clients, but we recorded our discussion before Liv released a dreamy collab with Gorman Clothing, which I hope you'll check out because it's wonderful. Anyway, enjoy! Good morning. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I'm really My excited. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, I have to say, Mel, like off the bat, I remember I discovered you years ago, literally years ago. It was a job. I don't know if it was a job. I don't, I'm not sure what it was, but you had work with Mooprint um, and they were like on postcards and they were painted like animals and that is when I found you so that's like maybe 2015 16 I'm talking like yeah you're on my radar since then oh wow that's a long time ago I remember finding out about you probably later on than that but I remember absolutely loving your stuff and I put maybe I shared it I can't remember and then you kind of blew up because it's always so nice when you find illustrators that are like not very known yet but they're amazing and then they finally get like the, you know, the exposure they deserve, which you yes. definitely had. So that was, that was really cool. But we can chat about this. But oh. yeah, that's funny. The mystery of Instagram and like discovering each other's work. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's really lovely. I do like that feeling as well. Like there was a girl, um, I don't know how to say her name. Like I never pronounce it because you just read it on Instagram. So I don't want to actually butcher her, her name. But I remember seeing her work just, it was probably about a year ago. And I was like, she deserves you know such a big platform and of course now it's like you know she's got you know 30 40,000 followers I'm like it happened so it is nice to kind of recognize that in someone isn't it yeah definitely like find the the good ones I think that's what I've been loving through Mimi is because the whole idea was to you know there's a directory to kind of shine a light on illustrators that might not get that light you know on Instagram or stuff with the likes and the followers that doesn't really equate to anything really because even though we've got big followings it's like at the end of the day it just doesn't really mean anything really it really doesn't it really doesn't it doesn't mean the emails are coming in you know so and then someone with you know a thousand followers or under a thousand is getting a lot of constant work like it just sometimes just isn't it doesn't result to tangible things in the real world yeah. it's nice but like and then also on top of that I think with like limited reach you know that a lot of creators were experiencing recently with Instagram again you might have you know a couple of hundred thousand followers and no one's seeing your stuff so it just yeah a large amount of followers doesn't necessarily equate to 
absolutely killing it. Exactly. Mm. So you're actually more likely to find work if you're reaching out directly or on LinkedIn. Or I was talking to another illustrator about this, how there's other platforms that might be better to find work than Instagram because Instagram is just so many of us on there. So many talented people out there. Like, yeah, it's saturated. It's saturated, but we also, everybody's got a unique perspective. And, and you know, I do feel like there's work for everyone. There is like a chance for everyone to make it, if you can say make it, but, you know, to actually make a living from what we're doing. So, because there's more and more demand, isn't it? I feel like there's more design, more art, more creative. Like people are more receptive to it. Yeah, and especially um, brands and companies as well. I think, you know, with the education of the illustrated community, with bigger brands ripping illustrators off completely artists off you know they're finally getting to a point where they're doing a lot of brand collaborations so there is a lot more drive for that um and i think a lot of brands also have that in their strategy of like you know like lucy and yak where it's you know using up-and-coming artists and things like that so i think it yeah there definitely is more of a need out there what scares me though my husband he's a designer so we've been just talking about it so much recently is just the ai art those kind of platforms they pull references from the art that's out there you know on the internet in the world and people can and pull say like my art and go yeah make it like this and feed it to the bot and it will generate that and so i hope that brands still want that human element in the future and not computer generated so yeah it's definitely on my radar for sure we can't ignore it like it's there it's out there it's happening yeah no i agree i've been thinking about it a lot as well and and it was the same because i went to see my brother this weekend it was funny because he was talking to me about ai but not visual one he was talking about the mm. the chat one the one that actually produces that content yeah and yeah. he was like oh Mel you should like you know I'm sure you need to do non-creative stuff sometimes and write things or you know research for the podcast or whatever and I'm like yeah yeah it's well, amazing you can just do it please write me a paragraph about this person or stuff and so he was telling me like being really excited because it's like a personal assistant and stuff and I was thinking about all my copywriter friends thinking oh my god what are they gonna do mm-hmm. you know so yeah it's not even just visual it's all of it yeah yeah and the other thing actually on that subject I saw a tweet about someone that said yes they can get to the result but actually art is not just about the result it's about the process as well and we love doing it it's not just about what it looks like and I guess well I guess I'm just saying computers won't enjoy the process I don't know what I'm saying but you know what I mean no it's absolutely and this is what my husband and I discuss it is not what art is about it's not at all it is about enjoying it's about going through that that stage in that creative process where it's so hard to get through where you've got a brief or you're making something and you go it doesn't quite look great yet and you get over that hump you know do you ever go through that when you're making something and oh, yeah. you, you break through that bit and you go and it just feels so good there's just so much more involved in creating art or illustration than just the output it's everything you know from gathering inspiration to the to the very end it's not just here's a pretty picture there's so much more to that I'm just thinking what you said about client work and clients maybe being like oh actually I can just ask this computer mm. for almost no money to do this mm. maybe there'll be a move to showing the process more or like I don't know more physical paint like more murals yeah I think like original art if you create more original art kind of tangible even like you said yeah seeing the process seeing it get made even just showing you or like me like kind of the person behind the art like more of a brand around me and me as a human and then the art's just a part of it so I think yeah it's the whole it's the whole package 
that you kind of, I think I need to, you know, reconsider now going into this brave new world. (laughs) We'll be fine. I feel like, I don't know how you feel about this. I always have this feeling that whatever happens, I'll be able to pivot. We're very creative and I think I'm just following the flow kind of. And it's funny because I was talking to another illustrator on the podcast and um, she was talking about practice changing and um, she's like, you know, I might end up doing something completely different in a few years. Like, who knows? So I think we'll just have to adapt to whatever's happening. Sure. For sure. And I'm the same. Like, I feel like that as well. It's kind of like, you know, I'm at that stage where I am trying new mediums, you know, even that's a smaller scale, but I am kind of mixing it up because like creatively, I'm at that point where I need something else where you think you've kind of not mastered something, but you go, I've done, done a lot in that space. Now I want to try something new. So I'm the same. I think we'll just keep on yeah, pivoting and moving with it and then just, you know, still creating nice things. It, it might not be illustration. It might not be art. It might be a space. It might be, you know, something else. But um, yeah, I'm with you there. Keep on moving with them. Yeah, so that you were doing oil drawings. That looks tricky. Yeah. Is it? How are you finding it? Yeah, it's um quite hard. The ones that I bought, they're very oily and very smudgy and so as soon as you kind of have one kind of stroke of it that initial point that they arrive with it's flat and so my drawings have such sometimes they're not it's not too detailed but there are some detailing in there and so I just find it so I don't know almost like rudimentary in how it looks in the end but I kind of love that where I'm not caught up in the tiny details with the paintbrush there's a bit more of an innocence or you know a kid-like nature to it which I really I like that because I try to achieve that anyway in my drawing and my illustration. So kind of naturally comes with that, with the oil pastels. And just like, there's a bit of, um, no, it looks like, you know, you just don't care as much. It's just a bit more fun. I'm really liking it. I've only done, I think like four maybe so far and I need to spend a bit of time on that. But yeah, really enjoying it. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I really love seeing you draw them. It's a thing as well, like coming back to, it's funny now we're just going to think about AI and process the whole time, but Mm. it's so nice seeing people draw which is really weird. And I don't know if it just applies to us. I think everybody, even someone that can't draw, maybe even more, they'll enjoy seeing a little hand, you know, drawing <laughs> things. I don't know why. Yeah, for sure. It is, um, it's nice to see like the end product what started as a blank page. I think there's just so much opportunity. It's, yeah, it's a hopeful thing, I think, to see someone draw. So they've gone from nothing to produce something. And it's just good to see the process. I love watching process videos and whether it's time-lapse or not, like I just, I really enjoy them. So um, yeah, I hope other people <laughs> like seeing yeah. too. I love watching them too, but I can't make them. I just don't have the brain cells. And also I feel like it wouldn't look great on my computer, but yeah, I'm always like, oh my God, you know, it's the whole thing about making videos. I'm like, oh, I mean, mm. I like photos. I'll take pictures, but it's a lot of time. It's all these things that people feel pressure to create as well. Absolutely. I finally accepted it. I finally have now, I enjoy it. Before it was a struggle to produce the videos when it was kind of going into reels. I had inertia. Like I just didn't want to do it. I was like, how can I add this to my process where it doesn't affect my process, where I'm not creating the video before the art. And so I'm finally at that point where I'm just having a play around with these oil pastels. I'll just set up my camera. It doesn't affect how I'm doing it. I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm actually enjoying making the videos for the first time. It feels good. It feels nice. And then, yeah, just really simple editing. It doesn't take long. Like before it was taking me a day to make a reel like it was just not a good use of time and how I wanted to use that time it's precious um so I'm finally down to a good rhythm with that I've accepted it 
and I'm liking it, which is nice. <laughs> that is nice. I feel like we've just gone straight into AI and art and process, which is amazing. But I do want to come back a little bit to baby live and think, I mean, maybe not baby live, but child live and think about you growing up because you grew up by the sea in Australia and I want to hear all about it because it sounds really dreamy. Yeah, uh, we grew up, so about 15 minutes outside of Port Macquarie in, um, you know, so not far from, from the beach, 15 minutes from the beach. And my mom actually still lives at my childhood home. Um, we moved to that particular home when I was five. And when we lived there for probably for many years, once we moved there, well, actually it was a house and we were surrounded by vineyards for my uncle's winery, actually. It's on a river as well. So it's a beautiful property to grow up on. We had space, like no neighbours. It was just vineyards. We used to go down. We knew where the table grapes were. So we'd go down into the vineyards and pick the grapes when it was when they were ripe. And then spent a lot of time on the river on kayaking. And um, we had a little tinny, which is like a little metal boat, you know, the really small one dad had um, with a, little, a tiny little motor. And so we used to spend time on that and get dragged on the, the bodyboard behind we stopped doing that when we you know we found out there were sharks in the river a lot of time was spent at the beach as well my dad used to swim from beach to beach everyone called him shark bait because Port Macquarie has not one beach but there's gosh there's like six beautiful beaches to choose from every time you know we go there so he used to just swim from beach to beach and everyone just thought what he is mad what is he doing but he loved it he loved you know being amongst it he would see sharks did not face him he was fine he would see you know turtles and stingrays and dolphins and everything but a lot of time was spent there and yeah we're quite the foraging I guess family Jordan my husband loved at me now like we'll be there like with my mom and sister and we'll be just trying to find the pippies just to like pick up the pippies under the sand and then you just put them back and you watch their tongue come out and they bury themselves back into the ground or um just collecting shells I used to get these tiny little shells they reminded me of ice creams like the color palettes were like chocolate vanilla strawberry and the little cone shape with stripes now all beautiful patterns the dad and I used to collect them and I'd go home and thread them into necklaces and we had a um, tumbler to polish rocks as well so we'd collect rocks from you know from the beaches and go home and um, polish those up as well yeah so it's very um yeah I think very into nature like my childhood had a lot of nature by the time I was maybe a toddler mum and I would be you know just walking in town or something and I would just point at all the flowers and I'd be like that's you know that's a so-and-so that's a blah 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 that's a and mum's just like how do you know all this and I spent a lot of time going to this is before we moved into that vineyard house the house before when I was under five I spent a lot of time at my next door neighbors and she was really Audrey loved gardening and just taught me every single flower and so I just had such a good knowledge of um you know all of the flowers so that and I had a flower press I used to love just picking the flowers she'd give me flowers and I'd put it in my flower press which I've still got like I've still got my childhood flower press most of them are brown and and yucky now but they're still in there a bit of a time capsule and yeah loved flowers I wanted to change my name to Olivia Flower Cameron I wanted my middle name changed to flower <laughs> that's how my artwork was signed in primary school yeah a lot of a lot of nature I was quite a kid um pretty shy and I did speech and drama which kind of helped with my public speaking that helped a lot but loved and loved writing stories I just loved writing stories I wanted to be an author like I just wanted to write stories just, you know, ones like the grape that smiles. And then um, I think there was one about, you know, carrots that are super, it was actually, it was kind of, I think there might be a movie premise now, but it was when at night the um, supermarket, all the vegetables came to life and had a party. Um, yeah, very creative, very creative, full of nature, just a nice 
childhood. Sounds amazing. And then your dad was an artist, wasn't he? He had an antique shop. So he restored furniture and made custom-made furniture. And then, but in all of his spare time, just loved, loved to make things. Like would do really intricate, like pen drawings. Like they're just, I'll have to send you some. They're just beautiful, like really detailed. Really, it would take, God knows how long that took him. A very long time, like hours. He would also do wood carving. So and since I've got, he bought me like a really nice carving set as well. I think it's like a German brand of like carving tools. And I started out with doing what he did. So he gave me a bit of a masterclass probably like 10 years ago or so in um, carving the timber. And it's it really, that's really hard because you get, you have the grain in there. So sometimes if I'm not strong enough, I'm not very strong. I get kind of influenced by that grain. And so I found it really hard, but, you know, we did a few carvings together. And then I discovered this kind of, um, it's like a rubber. It's not um, It's not lino, it's a carving uh, material. It's really soft. And I used my carving tools on that. And it's like butter. Like, it's just like, I'm like, oh, wow. Like that dad, yeah, he was really good, really good. And I've got a vase that he carved for me and it's got three native Australian birds carved into it. And it's just, they're all so intricate. It's, um, yeah, it's incredible work. Like he was, he was so, so talented and he loved native Australian flora and fauna. So he, when we moved to our house, it was just a blank canvas. Like it was just, I don't know, five or so acres of just grass. And now you go back there and it's just completely vegetated. He just planted all these different pine trees and different native flowers to attract certain birds and certain butterflies to come into the yard. So it's like, a, it's a bit of an oasis now. That was the, his main source of inspiration was like a native Australian flowers and, and fauna as well. That's where it's come from for you as well. Cause you're obsessed with that too. For sure. Like he's the one who showed me, like you just have to look in the backyard to, you know, get inspiration. It's right there. Like you don't need to go any further. Than it, only, it only works if you're in Australia because looking in the backyard <laughs> in the UK, it's not as exciting. <laughs> Yeah, but there's still things there. You can no, still, I know. You know yeah. Pull apart, flower, get inspiration from yeah. that. But, um, yeah, we're pretty spoiled here in terms of the types of flowers, the types of wildlife. They're crazy. Like, even the flowers are so textural. They're so um, just interesting. They've got such a nice form to, you know, your fluffy kind of your banksias that are all like really... Uh, almost looks like a knitted jumper, the flower, and then the leaves are all, it's like they've been cut with those zigzag scissors. There's just so much there. And then, yeah, the wildlife is beautiful. Like the parrots, you just look around and it's like, you know, rainbow lorikeets. The, the colours are just amazing. They're so vibrant. So, yeah, we're pretty lucky. And I um, am back home in my hometown now. So I went to, I moved out of home when I was 18 and moved to Sydney to go to university and then um, started work there, met my husband at work. And then um, at the beginning of the pandemic, he was sent home. I was, I was on that leave, maternity leave. And so for, his boss said for two weeks, while we wait for this to blow over, everyone just work from home just for two weeks. So I said, let's go up to mum's for space because our girl was, you know, starting to walk then. And that two weeks with mum turned into four months with mum and we ended up buying a place here. So... <laughs> And that, yeah, that was at the beginning of 2020. <laughs> oh, that's right. So and even, yeah, and even closer to the beach now. So we're actually in the town of Port Macquarie. So it's a three minute drive to the beach. And it's, yeah, it's nice to be back. You know, I feel like a lot of creatives from Australia, anything that comes out of Australia is so bright and colourful and quirky and actually weirdly similar to some stuff that comes out of the UK. But I was thinking that do you think that wildlife and like you were saying, the fauna and the flora, the light, 
and the, the actual surroundings are influencing creatives in Australia. Yeah, I've never really thought about it like that, but it would make sense. Like if you do gather inspiration from outside, like I do, it's hard not to have those palettes in your work because all the flowers are so bright. You just go to the water and it's like turquoise, bright blue. The birds, they're, they're rainbows. So yeah, depending on where you get your, you know, your inspiration from, I agree with that because if you're going outside, yeah, it's going to be bright and bold and fun and happy. Yeah. Okay. So let's chat a little bit more about your work and how you got to surface design. So I can't remember reading about this, but from what I gathered today, did you study design then? Is that how you met your husband? And is that what you were doing? Or At university, I studied marketing, PR and communication. So it's a double degree in business and arts. So that's where I did in the arts. I did all the film, which I loved doing all, all of that. And then there was the business, the marketing side of things. And then straight off, that was a four year double degree. And then straight after that, went into work at a creative agency, but on the account management side, on the suit side. So I was client management, getting all the briefs, you know, going to all the meetings, uh, working with the budgets and then getting the briefs, but then briefing in the designers on the other side of the studio, which is where I met my husband. And so during that time, I kind of never stopped making things so like during high school actually I wanted to be a fashion designer and I used to just sew all my own clothes I loved doing that uh, I'll just go to say the op shops or the thrift stores and just get old clothes and alter those or make something from scratch I'd never use a pattern I was just like a cowboy I would just sew I tried on and go no I need to do this I need to do that um, so that looks sometimes probably ill-fitting <laughs> wasn't the best if like technically but loved doing that and so then when I moved to Sydney and um, studied at uni and then also working I just kept on creating so I went to TAFE which is like a um, really hands-on kind of little university style thing um, and did silversmithing for jewelry so I did a course in you know how to make your own jewelry which was really fun and hands-on um, I did a lot of carving after dad kind of taught me that so did some you know like woodblock carvings I did a bit of painting as well but still wasn't didn't love the painting just constantly making things I just always had that creative itch that I had to scratch and I just knew even though my job was great and I loved the people I just needed something more I, I just knew that like I couldn't be in there forever because I wasn't passionate about it I knew it had to be something creative and so then I started to teach myself Photoshop and just started ended up making like patterns and things like that and one of my friends said to me went out to breakfast and she was just like you know this girl who I think maybe went to school with us she said she does this thing called surface design I said surface design I was like what's surface design went home and googled it I just I didn't even know it was a thing I didn't know surface design was this whole world this whole you know career path didn't know it existed and then looked up a surface design course in Sydney and then um, enrolled and so I started the following year and it was I had to do a um, certificate for in foundations of design it was very based around um, interior design and then the second half of the year I did a diploma in surface design and so from there it's still you know I still wasn't confident I still didn't have a, a handwriting I think that's how that's what they described it at, at school which I still use so your own handwriting which is your own style I still hadn't really fully developed that and so then you know went back to full-time work and just kind of kept on chipping away at the background, just still doing that creative mining. So just, you know, trying, you know, all different things, all different styles and nothing really fit or nothing. I didn't love anything enough to, you know, put on my walls or like, you know, it just didn't authentically feel like me. So I just kept on creating and creating. And then 
I had Elliot, my little girl. And so I had a bit of time, like, you know, just during nap time, she, she was a good sleeper, not amazing sleeper, but a good sleeper. And so just for my own sanity, really, because Jordan would go to work during the day and I was in an apartment in Sydney, we'd go out for walks and I was just taking photos of all the flowers that I saw and then go home, she has a nap, I'll then just pick up my paintbrushes and start painting. That was where I started to develop that style that I've got now. And so then I just kind of started sharing it more with the world like well you know with my 300 followers and I just had to it was a while ago now but self-conscious of what people thought of my designs because it's a little bit of yourself you know when you make art putting it out there it's for people to judge for people to go yeah I like that I don't like that uh, and it's a reflection of me so I just kind of had to I just put that aside and I was like you know what I'm just going to give this a red hot crack and just keep on just putting it out there just to see you know what comes back and you know quash any feelings of you know shame or embarrassment and I did just keep on putting it out there and it started to resonate with people so it was nice and that was kind of the start of it I still then went back to work though so after I had that time off with Elliot it was when um so we just bought a place here in Port Macquarie and Bovin had hit and Jordan's work days had been reduced I was on that leave and we had a mortgage and I was like I need to go get work and so then I got um part-time marketing role with a, um, a company here in Port Macquarie. So I was doing that two to three days a week and then working on my illustration the other two days. And then a year in that role, it was just a year contract. I didn't have to renew it. It was enough to then go out full time on my own. It's nice to hear your journey from, you know, not even knowing what surface design was to now having so many cool collabs and clients and stuff happening. I think it's really interesting how the fact that you studied and worked more on the marketing side and the project management side I'm pretty sure it's coming in handy now absolutely yeah that role I was, I was doing that job for a good seven years or so so everything up until this point helped me to get get me where I am now so you know the marketing side of things being in a creative studio as well as that client management and even just the invoicing the estimates that I used to do um, contracts because it all helps so I don't see that as wasted time at all like everything was valuable and it helps in my practice kind of every day <laughs> even I find like with every new client job I'm learning something new so I think um, whether it's good or bad you can then implement that change if you need if something you know if there's something that doesn't work so yeah it all helps me I feel like we have to wear so many hats as freelancers because mm -hmm. now you're full are you, you're full-time right now or mm -hmm. do you still yeah, have a little yeah. bit yeah it will be two years in May yeah. or May 10th <laughs> nice. yeah, it'll be your yeah, freelance yeah. birthday yeah, exactly. you need to do something to yeah. celebrate it's pretty amazing time off <laughs> yeah it's a good one time off something we do not know how to do no not not when you're freelance not when you're kind of running your own business it doesn't stop it doesn't and you don't know when the next big project is so I find myself saying yes to everything in case what if this ends tomorrow I always have that fear so I just say yes and then everything you know does go ahead and then I'm overwhelmed <laughs> Yeah, that's us. I always feel like this as well, but now I've learned after like what it's been maybe seven years that things come back. Like I need to trust. It's like really working really hard. You have loads of work, and you're like, oh my god, I can't. I need. I need a break. I need a break. And then you finally end everything, and everything's finished and great. And you're like, ah, oh, for a day. And then you're like, oh, quick, the next thing, the next thing. But actually, now I'm learning to try to enjoy this time off, embracing that time off, so you can recharge and get re-inspired and. All 
always know it will come again. If you're present and sharing your work and still, you know, in the background doing some bits, it comes back. It's like trusting the that it will, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah, the universe, <laughs> thinking yeah. that it will come back. And I, I str- also struggle with that. I find myself very similar to what you were just saying about, um, and, you know, drowning in deadlines and work. You go, you know, this is amazing. This is great. Just going to get through these two big projects and then I can have time off. I can then creatively explore with oil pastels, pencils, whatever it is. And then, yeah, it's that day. And then I go, <gasps> there's no more work that's coming. <laughs> and then I start stressing about that. But you're right. Like um, it does come back. Yeah. While ever you're still, you know, yeah, putting yourself out there, there will always be work for, for all of us. So there's something that I wanted to talk to you about that I think I read in a little interview you did about you really loving to see your art and your illustrations on like everyday objects or trying to make art a bit more accessible. And I thought that was a really nice thought. Yeah, I mean, I guess there are a lot of probably, you know, cheap prints and stuff out there, but there's something about, I think, a tangible product which has art on it. So not just something that you hang on your wall, but, you know, things that you use, like a beautiful, like, you know, my tea towels are paintings that I have done uh, and just something tangible that you use every day. I think if that art brings you joy, you don't need to deny yourself of that why not have it a bit of it every day whether it's in your kitchen and doing the dishes and looking at something and in a mundane task and using something beautiful that does make you happy why not do that um I love that idea or even just my um I'm working on some doing some fabric bags for grocery bags just as little as that like and I've got all my um my samples from my supplier and they're all brightly patterned floral or fruit bags and I love just walking into the supermarket with them and I just when I'm filling my bags like it's just doing the groceries like it's nothing exciting but there is joy in filling the bags wearing the bags so I think just making those yeah everyday tasks just a little bit brighter and and more fun I just like you know injecting that into people's lives yeah I love that it's so important because it influences us so much whatever we surround ourselves with and colors and pattern are really good for brains yeah I agree my husband and I were quite that was the only thing we argued on was um house decorating and our style so he was more Scandi kind of very head back very white minimal and I was more eclectic antiques and so we've kind of had to merge everything and he's finally at that stage where he's like let's add more art I'm like yes yes like it just brings joy to a space and yeah I love yeah living amongst that and seeing it every day so you've done really cool collabs I've loved the recent ones on the jumpers the little jumpers they're dedicated love that yeah I want to know what you love most about the process of collaborating with brands I think with the collaborations there's kind of two different one so there's ones where brands will come and want to license an existing print a lot of that time I hand over the artwork files and then their design team will then make it into a pattern or put it onto the clothing and it's always like a bit scary doing that because then that's out of your control even though you do get final sign off on it but most of the time I love seeing what comes back because it's something that I would never have thought of doing. Like my brain is, you know, would just creatively never take it in that direction. So those collaborations, like that's what I love from that is just seeing how other people interpret it and take it that bit further. And you go, that looks awesome. That's cool. I love what you've done with that. And then the other kind of collaborations I have are briefs. So just starting from scratch and and creating something to a brief, which I just love the challenge of that. Again, it's like, if the brief is a certain flower or um, 
you know, say recently I did a book and there was food involved with that and I don't usually illustrate food. So I think it's just that challenge of delivering upon, you know, on those certain things that they want me to illustrate in my style that I don't usually do. So it's just pushing myself a bit further. And it's, um, I think I, I was talking about it before, is just getting through that creative hump where I'm working on it and I'll just be like, this is no good. I don't like how this looks. And you know, every time that is just part of the process. It happens with every project. So I think knowing that that stage comes and it's when you push through it and you keep on going and then the gold happens and you go, it happened. I think I, but I still get that like relief every time I get through to the end and I go, I did it. Yeah. So probably the challenge for those open briefs. Yeah, I agree with the, you know, feeling like it's crap for half of the time. It's nice to have, you know, I always get a bit upset when clients want thing really last minute and I usually don't say mm. yes because because of this, because we need, it's not even, obviously we've got other projects and we've got lives and we need to have time to make things, but also because I found myself trying things, hating it and be like, you know what, I'm not going to look at this for two days, then waiting mm. And coming back to it and being like, oh, okay, well, this is a bit weird, but that bit is not. And, you know, you need that time to process things and let your brain do the work in the background, you know, because we're always kind of working in the background. Um, yeah, in the shower is my favourite time. I'll just go. And, and things will hit me in the shower. But absolutely agree. Like you need to look at it with fresh eyes. And sometimes I come back to something and go, and I see something that I didn't see before when I was really amongst it. So saying a tight deadline, you're amongst it, you get it out. But when you've got a project with that gives you answers, time you can you know have that break come back with fresh eyes and see things that you didn't see before so yeah I completely agree with you there and also they clients might go you know it, your work looks simple how come it doesn't you know it doesn't look quick you know it's because I think we make it look easy and what we post is the end product of how many hours of work how many failed concepts to get to that point and they don't see that they just see the polished end product but each one, each, everything you create, you usually go through that stage and it takes time. That's making me think about AI again and how fast it can produce mm. things, which doesn't help us because people one day will be like, oh, this AI came up with it in three minutes. Exactly. Someone's process that's taken their lifetime to get that and you just inputted, you know, mm. that piece from that artist and then AI just, yeah, in two minutes gives you four concepts and then you choose one and then that gives you another four concepts based on that. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> scary. Actually, that leads on to my next question, which was about your style, which I love and you know that. Like you mentioned, I mean, it is simple, but I'm the same. Like, it's not it's not simple. We've chosen to have like a style that annoyingly can be easily replicated in ways. And I wanted to know how, since you kind of blew up and started getting more collaborations and more work, how are you dealing with copycats? Because I'm sure you get quite a lot of people doing stuff your way kind of oh it's um never ending and it's it used to really get me down like I would get into a real funk when it would be like another day another copycat like just non-stop and I'm at a point where I I definitely care less it's still disappointing to see because I think that creative mining process is so integral to kind of an art to an artist, to an art practice. So, you know, like you and like me, you go through years of, you know, trying different things and finding your, you know, artistic voice, your handwriting. And so to see it then just like get completely copied and you just go, but, you know, as an artist, you need to go through that to get your own style because that's what is unique about you. You know, only you can do that. But when you're just a copy of my work, there's no soul in that. 
And, um, you know, just from a human element, I think you just get so much from that when you go through and, and just try everything and, and discover a new style for yourself. So it used to get me, get me really upset, but now I kind of just can't, I don't want to spend any time thinking about that mentally because of the effect it has on me. So I just try to block that out, but then there's kind of two sides to that. So there's the people who then just like, you know, replicate my stuff but they've created it from scratch and then there's like brands and manufacturers who just steal my artwork and I still get riled up about that and I um definitely take that as far as I can still because um you know artists get their you know their work stolen so much and by big brands who have budgets to work with us and they choose not to they just choose to steal it and produce it on stuff so I've currently yeah got an ongoing battle at the moment with with a brand who used my artwork outright on some clothing yeah I hate I hate when people and brands steal artwork that's not cool I just don't get it I still don't get what goes through people's mind about that and why they think it's okay and yeah I've had it many times where they just think it's on Pinterest so it's free and I'm I'm like mm, no <laughs> that that is what a lot of the responses I get is um oh we found this on Pinterest we weren't sure if the artist will then don't use it <laughs> like yes it's just someone has made that like it has come from somewhere an artist has sat down and made that just that's just not an excuse it's not an open source um you know public domain library it's actual copyrighted artwork out there on Pinterest Pinterest is one that I um really went to town on probably about 12 months ago just removing all I, I'm still chipping away at it um, just doing the DCMA um, copyright infringements on all my artwork there and just getting it one by one taken down, taken down, taken down when it's not when it hasn't been credited to me because a lot of people just then just like crop it in and repost it whatever and it goes to their website so I've done a lot of of time just taking down all of my artwork that's on there that doesn't link straight to my Instagram or straight to my website it just takes so long though that's the thing as well like when people do copy you um, there's actually a Shutterstock um, account that I have to deal with who have just lifted all of my work but the thing is I need to do it and I just haven't had a chance to sit down because it's so much work like I haven't had to do it on Shutterstock before and the amount of like paperwork that you have to do because this person has ripped you off is just so frustrating. So that's just been on my to-do list for months. That's the thing like, yeah, how much energy do I want to put into it or do I want to put it into making new work or, you know, creatively exploring my craft, which is what I prefer to do because that gives me much more joy and excitement and fulfillment from doing that rather than, you know, getting bogged down by the copycats. Yeah, I agree. And I think I always say that to people that me about this as well I'm like you know at the end of the day they will be copying but you're always one step ahead because you're the one you know you're creating so just focus on that I know it's annoying it's just sometimes you do need to take action but I think it's funny what you said about cropping and stuff because I think what annoys me the most is on Instagram I mean I don't you can't really tag me anymore on stuff because every time I do the pattern challenge people tag me and then it's just too much so I can't see what I'm being tagged in but sometimes people will take your art repost it on their feed tagging you but they'll have put filter on it or something and I'm like no come on like my work is all back color and it's like what are you doing and sometimes I'll just yeah. come in and it's like this isn't my artwork please remove it <laughs> what the hell yeah I get like really yeah. annoyed with that yeah yeah that happens to me too um the filters on it yeah and the, the cropping Something on Pinterest the other day I found was, um, I think someone had done wallpapers that they were selling or something with my art. 
and it was that it was just like recolored and something I would never do and I get offended because I'm like that is so ugly I would never make that <laughs> but my you know <laughs> but this is my artwork but yeah. oh please <laughs> yeah reporting that <laughs> okay so I wanted to know I guess that could be a thing but I wanted to know if there was something that you you are struggling with when it comes to your job at the moment and being a surface designer and apart from copycats well one thing that I always just don't like is doing all the admin side which is kind of I'm sure a lot of people don't love that but the contracts usually sit on my in my inbox for a long time when I have to write those but probably I'd say in this like social media stage I reckon it's creating the need also the need to do this creating content and I think like I said before like I'm, I'm much more comfortable in creating like the videos and stuff now but there was for a long time and and I'll probably still do it now is I go oh I need to post something like I need to I need to feed the beast you know because what if my engagement goes down because I haven't posted it in you know x amount of time and I think it's just then you're making something just for the sake of posting rather than making the art because you want to create yeah I struggled with that for a while probably I'm not fully there like I still say oh I need to post something and and I'm actually using my creative um, version oil pastels so it doesn't look the best it's messy it's my fifth oil pastel that I'm like you know my first one was on there so it's not great but it's you know it's content so I'm putting it out there but it's creating to feed that beast it just doesn't quite sit right with me yeah I think it's finding the joy in, in sharing stuff I guess and but I know what you mean though I I think most people we always think we need yeah. to keep feeding the beast and I think it's because usually when, when I feel that disappointed feeling is when I look at it you know a few days later with those fresh eyes because I just like pumped something out to post and I look at it and two days later go, oh, I don't like that. That's terrible. Why did I not see that at the time? And I just, you know, felt like I had to post it now. And then with fresh eyes, I'm just like, you know, I, I don't love it. I could have done better. Yeah, I look back on stuff I shared like a few years ago and I'm like, oh my God. And you know, I think it's a really good sign. It means we're yeah. changing, we're getting better, we're evolving, we're being critical in a good way. And I think it's nice. I know what you mean, like I do that and sometimes I will delete stuff. But sometimes I'm like, no, Mel, keep it because Instagram is like a little bit of a diary, isn't it? We can't be too yeah. precious with it. Not as much as we would like a website. Yeah, I'm the same. Like you can scroll back in terms of like my style and see how started and even sometimes I do that and I go yeah wow like I love where I've um, gotten to now but even a year ago I thought I loved where I was but not as much like and so we are constantly evolving and it's a good sign that a month later you go oh don't love that as much because you are creatively in a different spot to where you were a month ago or a year ago or five years ago yeah so I wanted to know if there was something you wish you'd known when you started out I'd say my worth and how much I charged back then to compare to now knowing what I'm worth essentially but I feel like I'm at that point now where I look back at everything and how much I've learned in that time and I couldn't have got to where I am now by knowing everything at the beginning like if I didn't do those really low budget projects you know then posting that project maybe helped me get another project and so I think everything happened in the order and still happening it's still happening in the order that it should I wouldn't change it I wouldn't change it I needed to know nothing <laughs> back at the beginning you only grow through those challenges there's processes and stuff like 
you know, your first, the first time you don't get paid by a client after you do the work that happened to me early on. So I thought, okay, I have to ask for, you know, 50% up front, 50% before I release the final files. So I would have never put that in place if I didn't go through that hardship of not getting paid. And so I think everything, every, every lesson, every, or like, you know, hardship I've been through is a lesson to help me get to where I am now. So I think, yeah, I probably wouldn't change it. When you're starting out, you don't know better, but then it leads you to better things. And then, yeah, you start knowing your worth. But I feel like in general, we tend to undervalue ourselves. Absolutely. And always justify why it costs that much when we probably don't have to justify. But I definitely severely undervalued myself starting out, even to 12 months ago, for sure. And I think it's because fees and... um, how much people charge isn't really openly discussed in the creative industry unless you've got, you know, a friend, a creative friend. Um, So sometimes you just don't know any different until you speak to an agent or you speak to another illustrator and you go, oh, wow, is that how much I should be charging? Is that industry standard? And because also there's a lot of different information around out there about industry standard or, um, you know, a brand will say, well, we pay this usually for our last, you know, licensing with this brand. And so I think it's something you have to come up with yourself that you're comfortable with and something that you don't. I found if I'll do an estimate and then it gets approved and I go, oh, it got approved. And I knew that I've, I've charged too little. But if I, I send out an estimate and it's approved, I go, oh, that's amazing. It got approved. I know that I've charged enough. So I think it comes down to you as well. Exactly. Okay, so I want to know now what you love most about freelance life, but also what you do to stay playful. I definitely struggle with that. I'm so obsessive in my personality. Like I could keep on working forever. Like it's not healthy. (laughs) I just love it. I am just that person who just gets completely in there and yeah, I'm just focused for hours without realizing. So that was until I had a, had a baby and now a toddler. What I love about the freelancing is being able to work from home, but also because I still just work on my laptop. Uh, I just need my paints and a scanner and my laptop and my iPad, a few things. (laughs) And yeah, (laughs) 10 things. But being able to work from anywhere, we actually took advantage of that in November. My husband's Canadian and his family, because of the um, pandemic and everything, they hadn't met Elliot and she was three and a half at that point. So we went over to Canada mid-November and we stayed there for 11 weeks. So just got back in Feb. I worked the whole time I was over there. So being able just to work from anywhere, which I couldn't do if I you know, had to go into a workplace or had to work in Australian hours, but being able to just work on my own terms, we couldn't have done that trip. Or I wouldn't have been able to work for those 11 weeks. So that I love. Having a almost four-year-old, she's what like keeps me playful. She's what brings that into my life and forces me to have a break and just look at things from her perspective, from that childlike outlook, which I had forgotten. We spent winter in Canada, came back to the end of the Australian summer. So we've just been going to the beach so much to try to, it's still like summer. So just to try to make the most of what's left. And so on Sunday, I was down just building a sandcastle with her at the beach, which I just, I love doing. And both George and I love making sandcastles and we're like, this is so great. We've got kids. So now we don't look weird. Like we can just sit here and make a sandcastle. I love making the drip castles, like um, with the sand coming out and makes those real kind of gothic looking sandcastles. You know, if she's run out to collect rocks or something, I'm still there building a sandcastle. She 
brings that playfulness into my life and it's so nice. Have you found it easy juggling motherhood with freelance life? I wouldn't say it's easy. I guess after she was born, that kind of kick-started everything. Like that's when I started posting everything. So I don't really know it any other way. I know that I wouldn't be able to do what I do without Jordan because he's just so supportive and he's such a hands-on dad that I am able to do what I do. So if I need to work on a Saturday or, you know, on the weekend or at night or something, he takes control, looks after Elliot. He's just such a good dad and such a good support. So I wouldn't be able to do it without him. It's hard, but she does force me to have breaks, which I think helps kind of like just restore me a bit. So say if I lie down to put her to bed at, you know, 7.30 or 8 and I fall asleep, then great. I've got a full night's sleep where usually... I'll probably get back up and work until 10, 12 or something. So I think it's a hard juggle, especially if she goes to daycare four days a week. Then especially, so say if she's sick, then one of us has to look after her. So it's hard when I've got deadlines or Jordan's got deadlines as well for his work, trying to juggle that is tricky and not easy, but I wouldn't have it any other way. You just make it work. It's hard and it's messy, but you just, you do somehow get through and get it done. I wanted to talk about your dreams and goals for the coming month, if you have any personal and work-wise. The coming month? Yeah, and coming month and years. Month. It can be, yeah, decades. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm like, the next month, I was like, I'm on a big project. <laughs> my, my dreams won't move further than that project. I think it is still just, I want to make a brand. Like, I love making tangible things i love making my skate decks and my my t-shirts and i'm working on bags at the moment but i want to make that into something bigger i've been putting thought into how it has to happen but i think it has to sit separately to lively so i'm going to be lively the person and then i always thought that would be the brand name but i think it's got to have its own identity different name and sit separately so that is still the dream like i still and i still don't know what that looks like but would love to involve george somehow because he's creative and does all my photography he's a photographer i run everything off him so all of my designs i'll say what do you think about this and he's always just He's who I trust the most. Just his eye, his feedback. Um, we're very aligned with our thinking. So it would be great to build something with him. Not sure what it looks like, but it would be, I want to make tangible products that are bold and happy and fun. Things that I just love to wear and love to use. Because if I don't want to wear it or use it, well, I expect someone else to. So just things that I truly, I think are a reflection of me. Yeah, I just want to build that sometime in the future. No rush. Like yeah, we'll get there when we get there. That sounds lovely. And I can't wait to <laughs> see all that. And yeah, I guess you don't need to rush it. It'll be in no. due time. Yeah, I'm still grateful for all of the work that I get. And I love, I'm, st- I'm painting and drawing and getting mm. paid for it. So it's still, that is not lost on me how lucky I am to be able to do it full time. So I'm enjoying that, you know, why it's still, you know, coming in, hopefully for a long time more. But, you know, maybe I'll have a bit more time carved out to focus on, on building a brand or something else. I think, yeah, like you, ever evolving. I don't have my my blinders on. I want to, I'm kind of like, what's next? What, what can I make? Just like you with Mimi. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's next? We'll see. We'll see. So exciting. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Uh, have a good day. Yeah, you too. I mean, a good evening. <laughs> Bye, lovely. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you want to know more about Mimi, then head out to mimiforcreatives.com and make sure to check the show notes for more details about our guest. 
下次先。